Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hour two of the show. Big hour for you. We'll talk LSU camp. Wilson Alexander at 932. Also, LSU hired a former Saints assistant coach and nine Tigers on the all-SEC preseason teams. Big expectations we all know for the Tigers this year. We'll update you on some of the Vegas odds also. And Mike the Tiger in Sports Illustrated Top Mascots article today, actually near the top of that list. Pretty cool stuff. More to come from the Saints and Chargers joint practice in Los Angeles today. But first, I want to go inside NFL training camp, and we're going to get to the Steelers first. Mike Tomlin, always awesome in front of the mic today. Apparently not happy with camp for the Steelers. Here's what he had to say. That's Mike Tomlin, and we will see what happens in this bounce-back year or potential bounce-back year for the Steelers. And off of Mike Tomlin, let's go inside NFL training camp. Yeah, Chiefs and Steelers playing this week in the preseason. Let's go inside Steelers training camp with Ray Fittipaldo, covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, at RayFit1 on Twitter. Ray, how's it going? Good, Seth. How are you doing tonight? Look, I'm, I'm really good. I want to start by asking about the real uh, – Oh, bad news, the death of the assistant coach, the receivers coach for the Steelers. I know Mike Tomlin talked a lot about, you know, just how devastating of a loss that was uh, for that Steelers family this week. Yeah, I mean, Daryl Drake is one of the best guys around. Um, you know, this is going to be a hard one for the Steelers. Um, he was only there for about 18 months, but he impacted so many people, so many players on that team. Uh, obviously, it's devastating for the receivers' room, but uh, the offensive line loved the guy. Ben Roethlisberger had a very close relationship with him, so um, it, this is this isn't a good situation for the Steelers. Um, you know, this happens. It, it happened in Minnesota last year with Tony Sperano. The Steelers kind of figured out a way to get past it and move on, but this is a tough one for them. Daryl Drake was a beloved figure within that organization and uh, uh, he's going to be very, very, very much missed. Yeah. Just uh, so much more than just football there with uh, Daryl Drake. And we've been talking about the condolences this week going up to the Steelers after that loss, <coughs> pardon me on the field, uh, Ray last year, of course, disappointing year for the Steelers trying to have a bounce back year. Um, I would imagine that everybody in Pittsburgh on notice players, coaching staff that another year like that, not acceptable. Yeah, I mean, the standard in Pittsburgh is, you know, you have to be a perennial playoff contender, and, you know, you got to win Super Bowls. That's, um, you know, that, that's that's what it's all about there. And, um, really, they were the number two seed in the AFC, I think, the final week of November last year, and then they completely fell apart. Um, of course, you'll remember the game in New Orleans. If they win that game, you know, they're, they're in the playoffs securely. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they don't have to worry about you know, all the all the Antonio Brown drama, you know, maybe that would have, um, you know, maybe that, that wouldn't have happened. So, um, you know, that being said, with Antonio Brown, Brown uh, there's much less drama. 
I think it's been a much more business-like uh, approach to training camp here. And um, there's a lot of talent. There is uh, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, remains on offense. James Washington out of Oklahoma State is looking to have a big year. James Conner made the Pro Bowl last year. So they're not without talent. I, I think the biggest key for the Steelers is um, they're going to be fine offensively. But can they can they pick it up defensively where they can get back to you know being a playoff team? You mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster there. Now the the number one receiver for the Steelers. How's the depth and talent at that position with Antonio Brown playing in Oakland? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say they're fine because a lot of the, a lot of the, the depth behind you know, Juju Smith-Schuster is unproven. But as I mentioned, James Washington was a second-round pick out of Oklahoma State. He came right at the end of his rookie season. I think they're hoping he's better. They went out and got Dante Moncrief. Uh, a former third-round pick of the Colts who was okay for four, four or five years in the NFL, but they never really had a steady quarterback. I think they're hoping, you know, with Ben Roethlisberger's guidance and, you know, if he stays healthy, I think they're hoping that Dante Moncrief can actually blossom and maybe become a 1,000-yard receiver. And then the wild card in all of this is Deontay Johnson, uh, the number 66 pick overall, early third-round pick. The Steelers are really excited about him. They think he's going to be really good, but he's been banged up with injuries in training camp, so they're going to have to wait, um, you know, a little while longer to, to see how he, uh, you know, fits into this offense. We're going inside Steelers training camp with Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Was it a concerted effort by the front office and Coach Tomlin to get rid of a couple of? Well, off the field malfeasances in Levian Bell and Antonio Brown. It's certainly a different feel in that locker room, got to imagine, without those guys there. And I know Levian yeah. Bell wasn't there last year. I understand that. But it's a little different now, Ray? Yeah, I mean, Levian Bell wasn't, um, he wasn't as big of a problem as Antonio Brown was. But, you know, that being said, Kevin Colbert, their general manager, was on record. He wanted to keep Antonio Brown if it could be worked out. That's how much they like the guy, his production on the field. It's just that Antonio Brown made it such a bad situation where uh, there was no way he was ever going to be able to come back uh, with all the stuff he pulled at the end of the season. He pretty much quit on the team. So they had to get rid of him. Um, there was a lot of locker room distractions late in last season. So, uh, yeah, I think it will be a better situation. I think there will be better team chemistry. But as you know, in the NFL, it's all about talent. And those guys are who are going to be taking Antonio Brown's place. they got to produce on the field. So the Pittsburgh Steelers are used to being among the favorites in the NFL to win a Super Bowl. Forget just the AFC. The entire NFL have been most of Ben's career. Now they find themselves at 20-1. to 1, I believe was that seventh in the AFC, sixth or seventh in the AFC. A little bit of a different feel with expectations around the team this year? Uh, you know, I, I still think the expectations are there. I, I think they expect to make the playoffs. Um, listen, I'm not sold in the Ravens. I know the Ravens took advantage of Pittsburgh's collapse and they made the playoffs last year, but I don't know what Lamar Jackson is going to be able to do as a passer in this league. I, I think that is very much a question mark. And I think these expectations that are on the Cleveland Browns, um, you know, they have talent, obviously. Um, they're probably the most talented team in that division, but we're going to have to see how they, they handle those expectations. So, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Steelers are going to win 12, 13 games. Uh, I'm not even sure if they're going to win 10, but I think they're going to be in that division race all season just because I'm not really sold 
on what the Browns and Ravens are going to actually do, even though there's a lot of hype around those teams. Mike Tomlin's been there for so long, made a couple of Super Bowls, won one, although they haven't made a Super Bowl since 2010, so almost a decade now. Is he there as long as he wants, as long as they're, you know, they're making the playoffs, contending in the AFC, regardless of if they win another Super Bowl? Well, I wouldn't say as long as he wants. There was a situation this summer where he signed a one-year contract extension, so he is tied up through the 2021 season. The Steelers will usually give him a two-year deal, so there's been some some, some of the minority owners um, didn't necessarily want to give him a deal, but the man who counts, Steelers President Art Rooney, um, who is the majority owner in this in this organization, he likes Mike Tomlin, and I think as long as Art gets his way, um, Mike is going to be around. But listen, Mike's not going to be able to go eight and eight or seven and nine and and have a job for life. I mean, he's going to have to get back to the playoffs. Uh, that's just what the standard is around here. They still have a franchise quarterback. They still have a lot of talent. I think the expectations are that um, they'll get back to the playoffs this year. If they don't, I think Mike Tomlin's going to have to answer for it. Tony Newton's his job, and I think he's going to have to make some changes on his staff if that doesn't happen. He's Ray Fittipaldo, and that's inside Steelers training camp here on the last lap. Ray, really appreciate the time tonight. Yeah, All right, thanks so much. At RayFit1 on Twitter, he covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. That's it for the AFC North tomorrow. We begin in the AFC South with the Indianapolis Colts. Try to get Joel Erickson on the program, former beat reporter for the Saints for NOLA.com, Times Picayune, now working up in Indianapolis. We'll talk some LSU football when we come back. Also, we'll keep, uh, keep an eye on NFL preseason. Not a good day for the Arizona Cardinals, and Kyler Murray, their number one overall pick. I'll tell you what happened there as the last lap continues on WWL. Let's get you caught up on some of the scores around the NFL preseason week number two. Maybe the premier game was Kyler Murray getting action against the Oakland Raiders, the Raiders of hard knocks. Of course, no Antonio Brown out there today. For the Raiders, uh, excuse me, for the Cardinals, not a good day for Kyler Murray the number one overall pick. And, in fact, that is probably understating it by a lot. Three of eight, 12 yards for Murray. 1.5 yards per attempt. couple of sacks involved there, and he also carried one time for four yards. Not the banner day for Kyler Murray, who I have argued all along, fantastic player in college. I was completely behind him winning the Heisman Trophy. I thought... Um, that that was his award that he deserved. And one of the most exciting players in college football, but I just didn't see it translating to the pro game at that level. I thought, remember, before the season last year, even forget the before the season, in about mid-October, Kyler Murray was thought of, late September, mid-October, of a mid-round pick. And then all of a sudden, I guess because he wins a Heisman Trophy, or you know, is, is there that he vaults up to the number one pick I don't I didn't get it I thought that was a little bit nuts and especially considering that the Cardinals hired a guy who could not win consistently in college to be his coach in Cliff Kingsbury watch this it's just one preseason game I don't know necessarily that he's going to be a flat-out bust as a quarterback but I also don't think that he's ever going to be an elite guy but we'll see We'll see. Mike Glennon on the opposite side, 11 of 1,475 yards, two touchdowns. Derek Carr got some actions 
Uh, went two of two, 40 yards and a touchdown. Other scores across the NFL today. Jets on top of the Falcons. Who'd answer like that? Matt Ryan went 10 of 14 in that game. Jaden Graham, the receiver, four receptions for 55 yards. Other scores, Bengals on top of Washington, 23-13. to 13. Ryan Finley, the leading passer, 150 yards. I told you the Ravens on top of the Packers, 26-13. to 13. Tim Boyle, 12-21, 107, and a touchdown. Justice Hill, a rusher for Baltimore, 10 carries, 49 yards, and a touchdown. And one more, the Eagles right now, two touchdown lead on the Jaguars. In fact, that's now final, 24-10. to 10. Gardner Minshew, the Mississippi mustache, the leading passer in that game. For Jacksonville, 19 of 29 for 202 yards. Oakland and Arizona just starting the second half. We'll see what happens there. And Kyler Murray now without shoulder pads on the sideline. So his night's done got banged around a little bit. Shaw Burger McFarland in the booth there on the Monday Night Football broadcast they're doing in the preseason on Thursday night. Kind of questioning why you want your quarterback running around in the preseason getting hit like that. Let's go to the phone lines. Tony in Australia, what's going on tonight? Hey, guys, Seth. Hey, uh, good day, Tony. What's up? Uh, pretty excited. I get to see the boys on Monday morning here at six o'clock. So that's early, man. That's early, but it's not too early, right? I know you. You sometimes wake up a lot earlier than that. Oh uh, yeah, if, if they're on, sometimes the games are on at three a.m. Yeah, and I get up and then I, I but I call into uh, 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 first take and fans first take and. Yes, you do. And yeah, you better call this week, man. We, I think, Did we get you last week? I forget if we got you or not, but we're waiting for you this week. Yeah. Um, quick question. If you were to buy uh, tickets for a game, which would be the best site to go to? Uh, resale site? I think the official no. – re- I, 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 look, I, I, can't, I can't promote any resale sites on here, Tony, or I'll get myself in trouble, so I actually can't tell you that. But uh, I'll tell you this. Shoot me a message. I know you got my social media and stuff. Shoot me a message, and I'll, I'll kind of I'll link you up, all right? Okay. All right. All right. And we're going to well, see, see you later this year, I know. The Houdat Nation will see uh, uh, the leader of the Down Under Houdat Army, right? Yeah, 4th of December I uh, fly out here. So I'll be there for the Colts and the uh, 49ers game. There you go. All right. Well, I, yeah. we'll, we'll talk to you on, on – uh, Sunday, right? Steve Court and I. You got to give us a call. Fans first take, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All what right. Time you on? All right. We'll have you on again. What, Thanks, Tony. What time are you on? Oh, what time are we on? It's 11 a.m. local time here in New Orleans on Sunday. Okay. Yeah. All right. Check you then. All right. We'll chat with you then, Tony. There he goes. Tony in Australia, leader of the Houdat Army down under. Now, speaking of fans first take, that's a good segue, Tony. As every WWL Saints fan knows, you're all VIPs for us, and you can experience the new Saints VIP tailgate at Benson Tower before home games, and that includes hanging out with Steve Court and myself at this Saints VIP tailgate during the Acadian Windows Fans First Take. You can listen to Sports Talk every weekday during training camp and also win yourself a pair of tickets to this. Here's what you get. Three hours before kickoff, before Saints home games, all you can eat, all you can drink, premium open bar and a delicious buffet also from Food Network celebrity chef Aaron May. It's right next to the Dome overlooking Champion Square. It does not get better than that unless you throw in Steve Court and I broadcasting live on the Acadian Windows Fans First Take, which we will. Listen to Sports Talk with Bobby Deuce and Christian every weekday during training camp, and you can also win yourself a pair of tickets when you hear Cam Jordan's cue to call in. That's the new Saints VIP tailgate at Benson Tower from our partners at bullseyeeventsgroup.com. 
and Saints Radio, WWL, AM, FM, and .com. And one quick note, game tickets are not included with that, but like I've been telling you on the show, even if you don't have tickets, win your tickets to this VIP tailgate, and then you can go uh, watch the game um, at your local watering hole or with your friends. Back to LSU, Wilson Alexander is going to be on in about two minutes. Nine Tigers landed on the coaches' preseason All-SEC teams. Lloyd Cushenberry, Grant Delpit, Christian Fulton, Richard Lawrence were all first-team selections. Damian Lewis was a second-team honor. Uh, Justin Jefferson, Michael Divinity, Jacob Phillips, and uh, punter Zach von Rosenberg were named to the third team. So those nine Tigers part of the – all SEC preseason team, according to the coaches who voted on that. We'll talk to Wilson Alexander about that and much more on LSU camp when we come back as the last lap continues on WWL. Welcome back to the show. LSU camp continued today. A couple of key players returning, and we just told you the news about nine Tigers being named to the coaches' all SEC preseason team. We'll talk all about this and much more with Wilson Alexander, who covers LSU for The Advocate. And he'll join us now at WH Alexander underscore at the end of that on Twitter. If you want to give him a follow there, Wilson, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing tonight? Look, I'm, I'm great. And again, sounds like some very key players made it back today. Uh, namely, Caleb on chase was seen out there practicing Wilson. Yeah, he looked completely full go at the very front of the outside linebacker groups through individual drills. He looked explosive uh, didn't look hampered by uh, anything at all. Um, it was his first time back since I think August 5th. So more, uh, more than a week he'd been out um, with a minor camp injury is what Ed Orgeron called it. Uh, nothing official more than that. Um, but he looked great out there today. And Coach O has said the last couple of weeks, hey, these guys are going to get healthy. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries on both sides of the football. Sounds like he was telling the truth because slowly but surely these all these guys are coming back, right? Yeah, I mean, it never LSU never seemed uh, worried about uh, these injuries. You know, it was not too just on Saturday they played a scrimmage without Joe Burrow, without Chase on, without Kristen Fulton, without Grant Delpit, and to the public, it's like, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. But inside, they didn't seem too worried about it because, like I said, they were minor camp injuries, and and now all those guys are back. I mean, I was going through my checks today, the way we do things, uh, you know, at the Advocate, how we split up position groups, and um, I'm responsible for the linebackers in the secondary right when we get into practice to make sure everybody's there and I, everybody was there so uh they're pretty healthy right now at least some in those position groups yeah it's good news the defensive line was missing uh, apu aika again second straight day he's missed how's the depth on that defensive line uh, let's consider you know chase on and ike is gonna be okay for the regular season how's the talent and depth on that unit when it's fully healthy it's pretty solid i mean richard lawrence you know that was a huge boost when he came back for his senior year he wasn't there today either. He's been, you know, had off-season surgery, and they've been bringing back slow, giving him some days off. Um, but, yeah, Ika and Tyler Shelvin are both right now considered starters at nose tackle, so they can interchange those guys, rotate them out throughout a game, which is going to be key once you get into the grind of a season because, you know, it's hard for those two big, you know, 345-pound nose tackles to keep up. But they both seem kind of interchangeable at this point. And, and then Braden Pahoko as well. Um, on the defensive line. They, they seem to like the pieces they have on that side right now. Are they counting on uh, big snaps, big presence from Chase on, or is that just kind of the cherry on top of this defensive line Sunday at this point? Uh, oh, no, that's that, – that's, uh, that's they're definitely counting on him. The pass rush last year uh, really lagged without him in that they were counting on him being the, you know, the, the big presence in there. They Orjan thinks he can have 12 to 15 sacks, uh, which would break the uh, – 
uh, LSU school record set by Arden Key and, and Chase on things he can get there as well. Um, and so they're really counting on him to lead the pass rush. Defensive secondary, uh, Wilson, so much talk about Grant Delpit. He is a first-team preseason All-American. Of course, that means he's going to be first-team preseason All-SEC, which he was today. Does he look as explosive and brilliant as like he was last year and everybody expects him to be this season? Well, it's hard to tell um, based on the little bit of practice that we see, uh, you know, if he looks the exact same. He also missed a good bit of time recently, came back yesterday, but he'd been out for more than a week. Uh, with again a minor camp injury, um, but I mean he he's been seemed to be full go pretty much the last two days. Now we're trying to say he's not quite 100 percent. They're kind of easing him back in, but um, Delpit you know seems to be on track to have a, a really good year this year. He's come into his own. He's more confident um, than he was last year, and, and he he's you know been around for a bit now, and um, he's on you know could really end up having a, a special season. Uh, defensive line going back to that unit like we've been talking about uh, their defensive line coach Dennis Johnson had not able to actually get out there and physically coach the team because of an injury he had over the summer well they made a move today is that right they bring in Bill Johnson Saints assistant former Saints assistant to help coach that group yeah we saw him out there at practice I mean he wasn't able to do coach wasn't able to actually coach yet uh, today but he was around the team um it's interesting they yeah because Dennis Johnson is is in a wheelchair both legs are up he you know injured both of his knees pretty severely uh this summer playing basketball and um they had uh Kenithi Udigi and um then Christian Lacachor you know coaching the defensive line on the field but I guess they Orgeron hasn't answered questions about this hire yet so we'll have to ask him on Saturday when we see him about you know why they wanted to make this move and bring in yet another coach on the defensive line, especially because Orgeron's been really hands-on with the defensive line so far. So maybe this allows Orgeron to kind of step back and really look at the entire team, be a little bit more hands-off with that position group and bring in a guy that he trusts because he's worked with uh, Johnson a good bit. He has, and they go all the way back to their time at Northwestern State. They were graduate assistants there. We're talking to Wilson Alexander, who covers LSU for The Advocate on Twitter at Alexander underscore other side of the football and i think we talk about this every day on this show that offensive line group that's kind of i don't know moving ping pong balls around every day and the injuries on that group as well who is that starting group today are we making any project progress on determining who actually will be the starters probably at the guard positions and uh, uh, maybe that left tackle spot yeah so the first team uh line today was sadiq charles mcgee at left guard Lloyd cushionberry at center then you had Donovan Campbell at right guard and Austin Deckless at right tackle. They have been dealing with a lot of injuries. Corey Savage moved back over to the offensive side of the ball today to try to provide some depth along the offensive line because uh, they just had so many injuries right now. Um, and, and Campbell is, you know, filling in for Damian Lewis. And, and then they even moved. Um, excuse me, Michael Smith is, you know, the second team left guard, and he was just put on. Uh, on scholarship not too long ago. And then Anthony Bradford, a, a highly regarded tackle coming in as a freshman, they, he was second team right guard today. So they've been doing a little bit of shuffling around as they deal with so many injuries. I haven't talked to you yet, Wilson, about this offense. And we were kind of picking everybody's brain on what they're seeing. And I know you, what you're seeing at practice is very limited, but apparently you have seen some stuff with the latency is some stuff with this, I don't want to call it a new offense, but this revamped offense with Joe Brady also coaching it this is going to be different right than it than it has been the last couple of seasons all indications are this is actually going to be the year that LSU changed its offense <laughs> it talks, <laughs> it's talked about it you know for a long time yeah. but the way they have talked about it the way especially you know sometimes you really only hear from Orgeron and you hear from the assistant coaches in the in the uh, offseason um, on their coaches caravan but 
what's interesting to me is like the players talking about it there, especially the defense players like, Oh yeah, this is much different to defend. Um, so, and we go out there practice, they're practicing in, you know, wide sets with, you know, a lot of guys spread out sometimes four or five receivers in a formation uh, going through on air. So it really looks like this is actually going to be the year that they change it, but we'll find out for sure against Georgia Southern. I guess uh, we will find out in just a couple of weeks. And, of course, it all revolves around Joe Burrow getting some hype uh, nationally. I saw PFF. He's in the top 20 quarterbacks uh, across the country. Uh, How does he look, Wilson? He looks solid. He missed a couple of days uh, late last week, didn't play in the scrimmage, but he's been back out there. Um, they, the way they talk about Burrow and like Miles Brennan was in the it was playing quarterback in the scrimmage because Burrow was out and uh, they liked Brennan but it wasn't the same you know without Burrow he just has such a command of this offense right now um, everything was clicking they said once he got back in there you know on Monday and um, they need him healthy and they need him running this offense for it to really work in 2019. He's Wilson Alexander, covers LSU for The Advocate. they got a great team there covering it every day, Advocate and NOLA.com. Wilson, appreciate the time tonight. Thank you. Y'all have a great night. All right, you too. At Alexander underscore on Twitter. Follow him there for all your updates throughout camp. And, yeah, just a couple of weeks away from that opening game, three weeks away or so from that Texas game in Austin. I probably mentioned Texas there. We're going to get a call from Joe in Mandeville, right? It's going to happen. It's I don't know. It's like – waking up every morning hear the rooster crow you hear joe and mandeville on wwl lsu's mike the tiger also named one of college football's top mascots supporting the sports illustrated and we told you nine of those guys on the preseason all sec team pretty cool you can give us a call if you want 504-260-1870 that's 504-260-1870 our text line is 870-870 this is the last lap on wwl Welcome back to the show. Tomorrow, rematch, myself, Nate from the OMFL, two-minute drill trivia. I'm actually rocking my OMFL t-shirts he sent me in the mail today. He's the commissioner of the longest-running Madden Football League, online Madden Football League in the world. Been doing it for, what, 19 years, almost two decades. Pretty cool. I tweeted that out, at Seth Dunlap, if you want to see that pick. Pretty cool stuff. Thanks, Nate. Thanks to the OMFL. And, hey, look, i got to get my revenge tomorrow. But don't take it easy on me, Logan. Don't take it easy on me. Uh, I don't know if he knows wrestling or not, so maybe just load it with wrestling questions. Maybe I'll do my homework tonight. Uh, Sports Illustrated earlier today, speaking of kind of silly fun news, released their, actually it was I think yesterday, their top college football mascots ever in history. And I have big problems with this list. What I don't have a problem with, is LSU's Mike the Tiger showing up on this list. Of course Mike is going to be in this top 10. If he wasn't, we should have uh, burnt this article down. But they do rank Mike the Tiger at number three on their list of top 10 mascots of all time. I guess August is the month for lists, and Sports Illustrated, no stranger to that. They note that in 2005, just reading here from Sports Illustrated, LSU installed a 3.7 million, 15 thousand square foot habitat to house the famed live royal bengal tiger mike five 70 years after the school purchased mike one from the little rock zoo pretty cool now mike the seventh spends his game days roaming the habitat and eating ground meat versions of opposing team logos so mike the tiger lsu's mascot comes in at number three don't really have a problem with that for as, as anti-Oregon duck as I am, being a Washington State Cougar alum, 
I don't really have a problem with the duck being number two. I mean, the duck's kind of a cool mascot, and I'm talking about the actual mascot, not these crazy uniforms and logos that they design and, and use and, and remake. No, the actual duck mascot is pretty cool. So if I'm trying to be objective, look, number two for the duck is fine. Number one for the University of Georgia and their bulldog. Now, look, the bulldog's cute. It's great. It's a great animal. Seems lovely. It seems happy. But you're telling me the Georgia Bulldog ahead of Mike the Tiger? Really? Bulldog's been there since 1956. And that Bulldog lands at number one on this list from Sports Illustrated. I don't really get that. Uh, number four, Bevo, the Texas Longhorns mascot, live mascot. Pretty cool there, got to admit. The Stanford tree, there's, there's nothing that drives me more nuts than watching the Stanford tree run around and make a fool out of himself. But maybe that's why he's on this list, because it's memorable. I don't know if that's a cool mascot. Ralphie the Buffalo of the University of Colorado, number six. Number seven, Cocky the Gamecock, South Carolina. Eight, Western Kentucky's Big Red. Okay, Big Red. It's fine. I feel like uh, my alma mater is getting um, the short end of the stick here. Syracuse, like Syracuse, always ends up on these lists because their alumni are spread across the country working in media, so they'll show up in these lists no matter what, even though Otto the Orange does not deserve to be anywhere near a top 10 list of college football mascots of all time. What is going on, Sports Illustrated? Give me a break. And read this softball line from Sports Illustrated. Otto is as sweet as the fruit he embodies. He's gone through a couple of name changes, Earlier versions were reportedly both Clyde and Woody, but Otto's lovable essence will always prevailed. Give me a break. Syracuse and Otto the Orange belonged nowhere near this top 10 list. Uh, Smokey, the University of Tennessee mascot, checks in at number 10. The Blue Tick Coonhound, Smokey X, pretty cool. I like that. So there's three SEC teams, three Pac-12 teams on this list, but the SEC, two out of the top three, and Mike the Tiger on this list. Uh, I do like – I like most of the mascots on this list. Bebo from Texas, he should be on there, no doubt about it. Like I said, the Duck from Oregon, yeah. I could even see the tree from Stanford on this list just because how nonsensical it is, those googly eyes and running around. I don't even know what it is. I mean, just watch the tree on the sidelines during Stanford games. It's crazy. But the, the Syracuse Orange, really? The Western Kentucky Big Red? Come on. Come on. Let's go to Joe in Mandeville. I knew he'd call in this hour. Joe, Texas fan. What's going on, man? Uh, what? I, I, I can't believe this list. I, I, neither I can I. Number one. This is, this is the dog that took a crap on the turf after Bevo just lowered his head, was ready to go on the poor little dog because he was wearing red come on well well, look in the bulldog's defense if vivo lowered his head at me i might uh you know have a an accident myself joe oh fine and the other thing mike the tiger number three are you kidding me he doesn't even go in the stadium you can't run on the field with it so, but I mean, he's come on. But uh, well, well, yes. But he's still he's got this big habitat right outside the stadium, pretty close. And he was previously allowed on the stadium. Remember, this is in college football history, Joe. So it accounts for the entire, I guess, history of college football. 
Come it on, you, you, come on, you got to Come on, give me a little LSU love, Joe. Just a, a tiny bit of LSU love. You know, Mike deserves to be on this list. Come on. You you can't take pictures with it. <laughs> well, it, it's, it scares I mean, him. It spooks him. Pose with your mascot. I mean, come on, that's all I'm asking. Oh, okay. All if right. you can. <laughs> where's my Where's my and Washington State Cougar? Where's Where's my Washington State Cougar, Joe? That's what I have a problem with. Do you have a live cougar? We don't have a live run cougar. with it on the field. No. But, yeah, I mean, come on, they don't have a live tree. Stanford just got googly eyes on their tree running around. I don't think a live mascot is, you know, part of the equation. This there. list needs to be redone, and we got to go back over to mascot. I'm okay. telling you. <laughs> okay. So, thanks for the call today. Although, yes, I agree, Bevo should be in this top five. He is. He checks in at number four. Fittingly, just another needle in Joe's eye right behind Mike the Tiger. Thanks for the call, Joe. We'll take a break. When we come back, more updates on the NFL games going on tonight. You can weigh in on this, too. Have a little fun with us. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. Here's a text from the 504. Western Kentucky's giant red pimple is the worst mascot in sports history. Well, there you have it from the 504. Ah, college football mascots. Let's the debate begin. LSU ranked number three, Mike the Tiger. Texas Bevo number four, Neil in the Eye of Joe in Mandeville. Western Kentucky's big red on there. Yeah, giant pimple, says the 504 on the text line. Here's a text from the 504. Is that the same orange from years ago? Yuck, nasty. Yeah, it's the same Syracuse orange. Again, I will just be honest. I am being honest and objective with this. The only reason Syracuse is anywhere close to this list is because they have a world-class journalism school and their alumni are embedded in almost every major organization in our country so good for their school and journalism but those people taint these kind of lists and polls there's no way that the Syracuse Orange should be anywhere near a list of and I'm quoting Sports Illustrated the greatest mascots in college football history come on get out of here number one on that list was Georgia and their English Bulldog. LSU men's basketball team opened its, well, exhibition slate of games on Thursday. They're on an overseas tour of Spain, and they played the Dominican Republic, who's ranked 18th in the latest FIBA World Rankings. Pretty close one, but they fell to the Dominican Republic 92-88. to And uh, Will Wade said he was pretty happy with the play there. Darius Days, Emmett Williams, pretty big nights. Uh, I guess it was days earlier. In that one, Oakland 33, Arizona 13, NFL preseason continuing. Not a good day for Kyler Murray. Three of eight, 12 yards. That's one and a half yards per attempt. Only run rush for four yards. Also was sacked twice, knocked around a little bit back there. One more hour of the show. We're going to lead off hour three with Carter Bryant. We'll talk clowny trade possibility for the Saints and much more as the last lap continues. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.